Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be in verses 1 through 11. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, go ahead and open up to page 1326 in the Pew Bible. 1326 in the Pew Bible. And if you need a Bible, you can have that one or come let me know and I'll get you a Bible. Um, we'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word. And we're going to be here in 2 Corinthians for a little bit. We're going to be uh, spending some time working through this book. And as you all know, most of you know at least, unless you're visiting today, first time, uh, this is typically what we do. We typically will work through big chunks of the Bible one way or the other and really dig into what God's Word says. As I've said, uh, God's Word's a treasure chest. If you were to find a treasure chest in your backyard, you wouldn't skim the top and then go looking for another one. You'd try to figure out, you go all the way to the bottom of that thing. I mean, you want to figure out exactly what all's in there. So that's what we're trying to do with God's Word. Just dig in there and figure out what all's there because God has told us that it's a blessing to know Him through His Word. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading, the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page being read, God Himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are, who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Let's pray together. Oh God, would you open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. And God, I pray we would be changed by it. Lord, for those who need comfort, I pray that they would turn to you in your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. One of my all-time favorite bands 
is a band called Wilco. I don't know, you guys may not be Wilco fans, I don't know. I personally am a Wilco fan. And so earlier this year, I read a book that was written by the lead singer of Wilco, the front man, the guy who sort of started Wilco and is their songwriter, a guy named Jeff Tweedy. And so I read Jeff Tweedy's memoir earlier this year, and in it, he talks about sort of his journey as a musician. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's not pretty all the time. It's not pretty all the time. Now, Wilco is about as low-key of a rock man as you can imagine, and yet still... There was a whole lot of challenges in Tweedy's life. No good rock and roll memoir is complete until somebody goes to rehab. And so Jeff Tweedy was in rehab, and he talks about a guy that he met there in group therapy. And I I want you to just hear the words of, of this guy, Jeff Tweedy, what he said. He said, one guy told us about seeing his father murder his mother when he was nine years old, and that he had his first taste of alcohol that night because his father forced him to drink whiskey thinking it would make him forget what he had seen. Hearing a story like that made me ashamed of how little I had to survive and how much pain I derived from so much less actual trauma. And so Tweety, one day, the group's taking a break, and he's standing there with a big group of them. And this is a hospital that is not typical for alt-rockers to go to. It was a downtown sort of seedy hospital. And so a lot of the folks he was there with had a, a background in gangs and drugs and all kinds of kind of intense things. And so he's standing there with this group, and he says to them, he says this, I feel like I shouldn't even open my mouth. I don't want anyone to get the idea that I think my situation compares. He says, a very large man, a man much larger than him, with a a very distinct gang background, comes over to him and gets right in his face. Now, you can imagine the tension that he felt in this moment. Gets in his face and looks at him, and I'm, I'm editing here, but he says this, We all suffer the same. Mine ain't about yours, and yours ain't about mine. We all suffer the same, and you don't get to decide what hurts you. That quote has stuck with me so much. Ever since I read that book, and and Tweety released an album, a solo album, alongside the book called Warm. That's great, if you like indie rock. And he kind of lyrically, poetically reflects on this in a song called Bombs Away. And and, and he's not just talking about just this situation, but just in, in broader ways. He says this, a man so drunk he could hardly stand told me once, holding my hand, suffering is the same for everyone. He was right, but I was wrong to agree. Here, the Apostle Paul blesses the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those, he says, who are in any affliction. Sometimes I really believe that Christians miss out on God's comfort because we feel like our suffering and our affliction and our pain should be worse for us to be comforted by God. I I so often hear Christians apologize for their suffering. They apologize for their affliction. I know it could be worse, preacher. 
I, I know that it could be worse. I know I'm not like others. I know that. And, and listen, it's not all bad to sit back. I think Tweedy's reflection on his own suffering being milder than others is good. But a man who had hurt worse than many of us could imagine looks at him and says, you don't get to choose what hurts you. And that is the case for you today, Christian. Those who suffer, those who hurt, those who are afflicted, are hurt and they suffer and they are afflicted in their own way. And each and every one of us needs God's comfort. We are comforted in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. The gospel brings comfort to every situation. And no matter what context you're in, no matter how bad you feel bad, no no matter how bad you feel for feeling bad, no matter how bad you feel for feeling sorry for yourself, it is not the case that God doesn't care. God wants you to be comforted by the gospel. And so this morning, I want to point you to three truths about how God comforts his people. Some of y'all are having bad weeks. Some of you I know are having bad weeks. Some of you are having the kind of bad week that you don't feel comfortable talking to the preacher about. Now, I don't think that's biblical Christianity that's created a culture where people feel like they ought to hide things. People will come sometimes to me and they'll tell me about a situation where a fa- with a family member or something and I, you can tell they're so embarrassed. I say, you don't have anything to be embarrassed about. We all have families. We all have families. We all have situations. We all have sin. We all have struggles. The gospel brings comfort to every situation. I just want to show you three points this morning. Here's the first. Find comfort in God. Find comfort in God. Go to God for your comfort. Tweety had suffered, and and he's not become a Christian, but he had suffered, and he went to drugs. He went to other things to find comfort. But my admonishment to you this morning is to find comfort in God. Paul opens 2 Corinthians differently than he opens his other letters. His other letters almost always begin with this initial greeting, and then they usually begin with some sort of episode of thanksgiving and, and some sort of praise for the advancement of who he's writing to. And yet here, Paul begins with this standard greeting in so many ways. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pretty standard greeting, but then he shifts gears here and he begins to bless God. He begins with a benediction, which is not something he typically begins with. He begins with a blessing instead of a thanksgiving. Some commentators believe this is because of the strained relationship that Paul has with the Corinthians. And we're going to learn a lot about the misunderstandings and the struggles and the challenges that Paul and the Corinthians had. But perhaps this was preparation. He's beginning this this way. And other commentators may think that it's a defense of his own suffering, which he's going to have to do. There were what were known as he called super apostles. False teachers who had come to Corinth and said, if Paul's an apostle, if he's so great, why is he suffering? And so here in 2 Corinthians, Paul's going to have to defend his own suffering. So I guess Jesse Duplantis and Creflo Dollar came to Corinth and said, you know, if Paul's so great, why is he riding a horse here? Why isn't he on this G20 jet or whatever else? By the way, when those guys come on TV, you should change the channel and pray that God knocks the cable out in your neighborhood till they get off the screen. Perhaps 
Paul here is just addressing his own supporters and the godly folks at Corinth who would want to know of his well-being before he began to have uh, some difficult conversations with him. I, I, I don't know exactly why. But what Paul is doing here is leading off 2 Corinthians. We are hitting the ground running where Paul is being so practical and he's talking about the comfort that God gives in suffering. And so he is pointing to these Corinthians and saying, you are probably suffering. And perhaps these teachers had told them, if you were really godly, you wouldn't suffer, which is a a lie from hell. It's it's from the devil to hear those words. And so perhaps Paul's addressing this from the get-go, but what he's doing as he prepares for the rest of this letter is praising God, blessing God, Blessing God for the comfort that He offers. You see, sometimes in suffering, we, I think we tend to want to either blame God or even ignore God. I, I think we tend to, when we're suffering, when we're in affliction, to use the Bible's terminology, I, I think sometimes we want to blame God. God, why are you letting this happen to me? And I understand that. I think oftentimes what folks want to do is just ignore God. Maybe they're so hurt, they're so numb, that the last thing they want to do is think about God. They're just trying to survive, and I understand that. But what does Paul say? Blessed be, verse 3, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what? The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Grace to you, he said, peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. What do you find in God? I would argue you ought not to ignore God. You ought not to blame God in the midst of your suffering. Now listen, that doesn't mean you can't go to God. In fact, I'm encouraging you to go to God, and I wouldn't wait till you settled down to talk to God. Sometimes I've been known to get frustrated about a situation and speak too soon. Y'all ever done that before? Anybody ever spoke too soon? Now, don't elbow your spouse right now, okay, if that's happened over the weekend. I've been known to react too quickly. That's unwise to do in our human relationships, but if I were you, I wouldn't wait to go to God. He can handle it, I promise. He knows you're sulking. He knows you're mad. He knows when you're ready to blow up. He knows. Just go on to Him. Let's let Him go ahead and start straightening things out. What what does the Scripture say? What, What does the Scripture say we find in God? The Bible says grace to you from God. So we find grace in God. It's a reminder then when we go to God of the fact that God has given us what we do not deserve. He's been good to us and kind to us when we didn't deserve it. And you may be feeling this moment like you've been given a raw deal, but it's good to go look at the Scriptures and go to God and be reminded of His grace. The Bible says peace comes from God. I think that's a picture of the inner resolve and quietness that God can give us in difficult times. Have you ever just found peace in a situation and nothing can explain it, but that God was good to you to give you peace? I have. Mercy. He's the Father of mercies. It's a reminder that God is for us. And for the believer, all mercy is from God. And and all that is from God is a mercy to the believer. Now, the Bible says God disciplines those He loves, but that is a picture of God's mercy. We have to tell our kids all the time when we discipline them that it's love. 
You know why we have to tell them that? Because it doesn't look like love when you're being disciplined. It feels like, you know, Ford tells us all the time, when I'm a dad, famous last words, when I'm a dad, I'm going to let my kids do whatever they want. I said, no, when you're a dad, that'll be my job. Right now, right now, you need to know that you need, you know, you will be think differently when you're a dad. We do this because we love you. We don't let you just do whatever you want because we love you. Some mercies are easy and some mercies are hard, but all that a believer receives from God is mercy. And it's good to remember that God is the Father of all mercies. And He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort. God wants, O believer, O saint, God wants to comfort you. So don't ignore God. Don't be mad at God. Or if you are, go to God. Spend time with God. Go find these precious things in God and God alone. But I want you to see what else Paul says. Verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. God does not waste suffering and your suffering is never without purpose. And your suffering is never without meaning. One thing philosophers talk about is the banality of evil. And, and sometimes it does feel like our suffering is purposeless. And in this life, we can't always see the purpose behind our suffering. We can't always see the meaning beneath our suffering. And I think it's unwise for us to try to assign meaning to all suffering. But we recognize this one deep meaning that's connected to all our suffering, that if you are in Christ, you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. God is associating your suffering with Christ's suffering. Now, what that, what that doesn't mean, I believe, is that you're adding to the suffering, as Paul says elsewhere, elsewhere when he talks about completing what is lacking in Christ's suffering. I, I don't think what that means is you're adding to some of the atoning work of Christ. I, I don't think that's what the text means. What I think it does mean is that you are connected to the sufferings of Christ when you suffer as his child. That no matter what you're going through, you can look back and you can say, Jesus suffered too. And so if Jesus suffered too and you're suffering, guess what that means? It, it cannot mean that God doesn't love you, right? It can't mean that because we know that God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know he loves him. We know that the Father loves the Son. There's no question about that. It cannot mean that you've been forsaken by God, right? Because nobody seemed more despised and forsaken than Jesus did, and yet he was not forsaken by the Father. In fact, he was raised up in glory. And so when we look at the fact that our suffering is connected to Christ's suffering, we see that there is gospel meaning uh, that, that, is, that is worked through all of the affliction in our lives. And though we suffer in our own lives, and though we share in Christ's suffering, it is not the same suffering that Christ suffered for at His very passion at the cross. Jesus suffered, and that's the centerpiece of Paul's point in verse 5, because what he's saying is, if we share in Christ's sufferings, what does that mean? If we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, it must mean through His cross, I believe, we share abundantly in comfort 
That is, that when we look to Christ and we look through Christ and what He did at the cross, we recognize that we receive comfort in our suffering through Christ's suffering. We share abundantly in comfort. Find your comfort in God. Second of all, the second point I want to make this morning is this. Be a comforted comforter. Be a comforted comforter. That's kind of a weird sounding point, but I, let, me, let me tell you what I mean. Here, these verses all kind of intertwine here in these first couple of points, but notice what Paul says in verse 4. He calls God the God of all comfort in 3, and then in verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here's how this works. God's comfort allows us to comfort others. So God comforts Matt's in affliction. God comforts me in affliction. Whatever it is I'm going through. Whatever difficult season it is I'm going through. God, I find God's comfort through the scriptures, through his people. I, I, I sat down with a pastor friend who's going through a conflict. And as a pastor who at different times I've experienced conflict in the Lord's church. I sat down with him. I said, here's, here's what got me through a season of church conflict. And during that time, it was the scriptures. It was some of you. It was my wife. It was friends. It was family. All kinds of people helped me in the affliction of going through a conflict in the Lord's church. And so I was able to help another pastor with that. Why? Because God comforted me so that I might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with what? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God gives you the comfort, you are comforted, and then you become a comforted comforter to others. You know, I can do my best as a pastor to bring God's comfort to as many of you as possible. And I, I try to do that. I try to be there for you when I can, as best I can. As God's called me, our deacons try to bring you comfort. But here's the reality. I've not always been through what you're going through. And, and no pastor can go through everything his people go through. And God's word is sufficient, of course, but there's a reality in which there's more comfort in knowing someone who's been through what you're going through and who God was faithful to. Someone who seems well-adjusted and joyful on the other end of whatever it is you're going through someone that has a testimony of God's faithfulness in a similar situation. Brothers and sisters, God will not waste your suffering. And my hope and my prayer is that God will make you a comforted comforter. God's design in our afflictions, in our suffering, in our difficulties, is to multiply and to magnify gospel comfort. Verses 6 and 7. If we are afflicted, it is what? For your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. In other words, Paul's recognizing that it's his ministry and Timothy's ministry, I think is who he's talking about when he says we it's their ministry. It's what God's called them to do that is leading to their affliction. 
And so he sums it up by talking to the Corinthians and saying, I don't lose hope for you because I know even though you're sharing in my suffering, I recognize that you are simultaneously going to share in the comfort which we've received from God. What Paul is saying is that God will magnify our comfort in the gospel as we are pressed into the gospel through suffering and affliction. We're pressed into God. We're pushed into God. My hope and my prayer is that you'll fulfill God's design by being a comforted comforter. And that leads us to our last point, and it's this. Convert your comfort to hope. Convert your comfort to hope. Verses 8 through 11. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia we don't know what all happened in Asia. Some people think it's the episode in Acts 19 where uh, Paul's in Ephesus. But at any rate, some sort of serious affliction happened in Asia. And Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death Paul's driven to what one might call depression. He's despaired of life itself. He's despairing. And furthermore, he, he has a sense of sort of, he had at least a sense of portending doom. There, there is just seems to be no way out of this. We felt we had received the death sentence. Christians, though, even though they may feel pressed against the grave, or never pressed against the grave. Paul says, I felt like I had a sentence of death. He's being squeezed. He's being pressed. He's being pushed up against the grave, right? Up against death. I, I think he very well may mean this literally, but a Christian, even though Paul is saying, I felt as if I might die, listen to this truth. Paul is not pressed against the grave, and Christians are not pressed against the grave. It may feel that way, but the Christian who feels pressed against death is actually being pressed against life and the resurrection. What does Paul say? He says that God did this. That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but what? But on God who raises the dead. When you feel pressed to the edge of what you can handle, you are not being pressed against death. You are being pressed against hope that Christ is able to raise you up on the last day. Death is not the worst thing that can happen to us. Praise be to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And so when we are pressed against resurrection, when, when God presses us, the comfort we find in God is resurrection hope. Our, our comfort is converted to hope. Our, our comfort becomes hopefulness in God. You see, we look, we look backward, as Paul says in verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. And we are also looking forward, and He will deliver us. Think about it. It's so beautiful. 
What a a beautiful picture it is to hope in God, to look at what He's done and look at what He will do. And then Paul says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Church, what a picture this is of what God does when we suffer, when we're afflicted. What a beautiful picture this is of Christians when we are pressed. What comes out of us is hope because no matter what happens in this life, even if we're killed, even if we die, even if the worst thing comes true, We're not being pressed into the grave. We're being pressed into the open tomb of Christ. A glorious future that is in resurrection. What if treating your problems like they're too small for God's comfort is preventing you from actually applying the gospel to your problems? What if the fact that we won't give them to God is keeping us with a low-grade fever of actually magnifying our issues rather than making them smaller? Instead, why don't we take all of our affliction, all of our trouble, all of our problems to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, the God of mercy, the God of grace and peace. And why don't we let our problems shrink in light of the hope we have? We must be reminded that we serve a God who raises the dead. We can't trust ourselves. We must trust Him so that even if we despair of life itself, we must remember we've been promised a new one. We don't get to decide what hurts us. You don't get to decide what hurts you. But you can decide who will comfort you. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust and your hope in Jesus Christ... If you never put your faith and trust in Him, today my hope and my prayer is that you would put your trust and your faith in the God of all comfort. And second of all, you may be a believer and you may say, Pastor, I just need some time to pray because I need the comfort of God. This altar is open to you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the hope that we have in the gospel. And God, I pray that we will be pressed into the comfort that only you can give. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.